You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Back on The Pipeline Show, getting uh, ready to have a chat with uh, Andrew Peart, the uh, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings through round two now, a sweep of the uh, Calgary Hitmen off to uh, round three, the Eastern Conference Finals. Don't know who the Oil Kings will play yet as Saskatoon and Prince Albert uh, deadlocked at two games apiece right now uh, as well. Andrew, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Uh, long uh, trip back from uh, Calgary this morning, but uh, I have to think there was uh, an air of uh, happiness on that bus after the sweep of the Calgary Hitmen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the guys were fired up, and uh, you know for good reason. It, it was uh, a tough series, and it, it sounds weird to say that after a four-game sweep, but the Calgary Hitmen certainly made the Edmonton Oil Kings earn each and every one of those four wins. Um, obviously, it got a little bit easier in Game 4 with the, the 6 nothing win as the, the Oil Kings were able to exert their will early on in that one and um, let the, the doubt creep in on the Calgary Hitmen, obviously, in the, the 0-3 hole big enough. And then when you get down in that uh, pivotal Game 4, it's it's tough to find the motivation. So uh, credit to the Edmonton Oil Kings, though. They, they, they went down to Calgary. They needed two wins. They wanted two wins. Uh, and they got the two wins. Well, and you mentioned that it's uh, it was tougher than it would look on paper. Two of those games went to overtime, and you go back to game one, and it was uh, really close to being a uh, victory in game one. For Calgary, They uh, the Oil Kings tied it with uh, like 20 seconds left to go. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at this series, and there's a, a couple of mistakes by the Hitmen that really shot themselves in the foot. <laughs> um, and it could have been a, a much different series. You mentioned they, they lead 2 nothing for, you know, all the way to four minutes left in that game one, and they, they choked that lead away. But to make matters worse, in overtime, they virtually score on themselves as Mark Kastluck fired off his own goalpost on a face-off win, and uh, Jake Neighbors, obviously the benefactor, a guy who's not afraid to go hard to the net, and he was rewarded as he was able to pop that into a, a wide-open cage. And then even in game two, which was a 4-1 win for Edmonton, and um, obviously for uh, for the Oil Kings, uh, maybe their their best effort of the series uh, aside from Game Four, but you know it's a one nothing game midway through the hockey game, and then Carson Folk uh, one ups the captain Mark Catholic by actually firing it into his own net, and then it becomes two nothing Edmonton, and you know the, they can never really get their bearings in that game. So uh, for the Oil Kings, um, they they caught some breaks early on in the the, the, the series, and uh, you know I and I, if you're going to have success in the playoffs, you need some breaks along the way. The Oil Kings obviously got theirs, and then. Uh, they took care of business uh, on the road after that. Was that a topic of conversation down in Calgary at all? Because like off the air between, uh, you know, in the media room or whatever, because that was unbelievable to see. And it didn't just happen those two times. It happened three or four times in the first two games. I think it happened once in Calgary too, uh, except uh, Jack McNaughton made the save on it. He seemed more prepared for it by that point. But was it something that came up just how the Hitman would win the faceoff? Always seemed to be on the right side of the net. Like if it was to the McNaughton's right, he should be expecting a shot on net by his own team. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mentioned it to to Brad Curl, the the great voice of of the Calgary Hitmen, um, and he said, "No, this hasn't been something that we've seen all season long. It's just popped up somehow in this series." And the odd part is, with with Mark Castluck in that right wing circle, you would think he would mostly on that being not uh, the, the strong side. You put it into the corner, but yeah. somehow he ended up putting it on the net. And yeah, you mentioned in Game Three that was that was the most dangerous one. He fired it with. Full steam behind it. Fortunately, it hit uh, Jack McNaught in the chest. I didn't dare bring it up with Hitman head coach Steve Hamilton when I talked to him uh, prior to Game Four, as I, I kind of felt that that had uh, run its course. But it was strange how that that just continued to happen. And 
like you mentioned, though, the, the most strange part of it was that Jack McNaughton continued to be surprised by it. Uh, at a certain point, you almost have to expect it. I speak with Andrew Peard, uh, a valuable break for the Oil Kings, something that uh, whoever their opponent will be in the conference final probably won't have as uh, that series tied to uh, 2-2. So at least uh, it'll go at least six games. Uh, this time of year, everybody's playing through some bumps and bruises, but the Oil Kings have had a couple of guys in and out of the lineup because they haven't been able to go. Um, so this is a good break uh, for for the guys physically, if not mentally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the physical standpoint. I mean, granted, um, the the Oil Kings for uh, in terms of playoffs have been pretty fortunate. Um, you know, a couple of guys are a little bit nicked up, but uh, aside from that, nothing too major uh, with the Oil Kings. I'll knock on wood as I say that. But they're a team that struggled with with injuries all throughout the regular season, and finally at the right time. They're starting to get healthy. And now, like you mentioned, uh, some valuable rest both mentally and physically. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they approach this next, um, you know, eight, nine days. That's likely what it's going to be in between games. Probably see the start of round three Friday or Saturday in northern Saskatchewan, somewhere for the Oil Kings. And now it's a question of how much rest do you want to give the guys? Uh, how much practice time do you want to mix in there to try and keep them sharp? But um, it, Brad Lauer has shown that uh, he's got all the right answers so far. Uh, during the course of this regular season and here to the playoffs. So uh, I imagine he's he's already thought about this. He's got a, a schedule in place for his guys, and um, he'll make sure that they're they're good to go once round three opens up. On a scale of 1 to 10, how have the Oil Kings played in the playoffs so far, in your opinion? And and I'll, I'll let you think about it for a second. I'll just say that I've seen the Oil Kings play a lot better than they have to this point, um, and they're going to have to play a lot better, I think, when it comes to the next round, no matter if it's Saskatoon or PA. They'll be on the road. They'll have to. They'll. They'll probably be. I would think considered the underdog going into that series uh, because they're uh, starting on the road. Um, I've seen Edmonton play better than they have, and they're going to have to. Uh, how, wh- what would? What's your take on the way they've looked so far in the postseason? Yeah, in terms of a, a one to ten ranking, I think you put it somewhere in like seven and a half. Um, you know, it, the offense is, is really what struggled. There's been a lack of polish. Passes through the neutral zone aren't clicking like we saw during the course of the regular season. Zone entries aren't quite as clean, not allowing them to get set up and um, have extended periods of zone time. However, defensively, that's been really good for the Edmonton Oil Kings, specifically in that series against the Calgary Hitmen. I mean, four games, they limited the Hitmen to 92 shots on goal, um, just four goals against. And that's that's the Calgary Hitmen who scored 29 goals in the first round of the WHL playoffs, and instead uh, in, in round number two, they're held to four. So I, I think on the defensive side, the Oil Kings are, are really happy. And that, you know, at the start of the year, that was the strength of the Edmonton Oil Kings. We talked at length with some of the guys they had coming back, um, you know, and then you, you, you mix in the, the acquisition of a, of a Parker Gavlis along the way, who's been uh, nothing short of steady for the Edmonton Oil Kings on that back end. So, um, I, I think they there there definitely is is room for improvement for the Oil Kings here in the playoffs. Um, I, I I saw them getting better though throughout the course uh, of that series uh, against the Calgary Hitmen and uh, of course culminating in the big Game Four win. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. We've seen them play a lot better. We've seen them play a lot more consistent. Um, but but maybe this is the new norm with the playoffs. It's it's weird because the the game doesn't change uh, when it goes from regular season to playoffs. I mean the the ice sheet is still the same size. The rules theoretically are still the same, although there is some debate uh, around that. But um, for whatever reason, goals seem harder to come by, and there seems to be a lot less room to operate. The Oak Kings just need to find a way to continue to find success uh, in the limited room that they do have to operate. Well, the uh, the big guns for the Oak Kings are leading the team in uh, playoff scoring, although the secondary scoring has kept pace 
uh, with uh, the top line. Now, Vince Lascalvo leads the way. He's got 10 points uh, through 10 games. Then you've got Quinn Benjafield. He's got nine. Fix Melanski's got eight. Those are not surprises by any stretch, but suddenly Jake Neighbors is uh, vaulted to the top of the scoring as well. He's got nine points. Andrew Fighton not that far behind. How about Wyatt McLeod? He's got uh, two goals in back-to-back games and six points in the in the uh, postseason. Um, so not surprised to see some of those names at the top, but uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise to see how much the secondary scoring has shown up for the Oil Kings. Yeah, and, and another name, how about Zach Russell from the, the press box to the box score? Yeah. He's played in three playoff games. He's got three points. Uh, he's been exceptional. And that's been the theme of the Edmonton Oil Kings that I found this year is guys seizing opportunities, starting all the way back with a goaltender in Dylan Miskew, a guy like Parker Gavlis coming in and getting an opportunity to play uh, some heavier minutes. Andrew Fighton trying to prove that, you know, obviously he does have the pedigree of being a WHL champion, but he wanted to show that he could be more than just a bit player as he's really seized an opportunity as, uh, you know, sort of the, the at times the 1A centerman for the team, at other times the, the 1B centerman. And it's just guys stepping up and, and, and finding their opportunity. And I think some of it has to do with um, Trey Fix-Lansky, who had just one point in the four games against the Calgary Hitman, was held off the score sheet in the 6 nothing win. He is so heavily keyed on. I think a lot of teams are um, expelling a lot of energy trying to shut down the captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings. And that's opening things up for the other guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Atkinson, he's, he uh, and his line mates, Vlad Alistroff and Andre Pavlenko, that was probably their best game in a while there uh, in game number four. They broke the ice and uh, and got that game rolling for the Oil Kings. And, and even further to the depth, this is by far my, my favorite stat of this entire season and into the postseason is they've won eight games. They have eight different guys with a game-winning goal, Scott Atkinson being the latest, uh, the, the first goal in that 6 nothing win. So it's, it's something you need. Um, you know, the Moose Jaw Warriors, they don't have, they didn't have the forward depth. They lost out in four games in the first round. Look at the Everett Silvertips, a team that very top heavy, but there is some thinness down their lineup. And now all of a sudden they're fighting for their lives against the, uh, the Spokane Chiefs. So, um, you, you need to have that depth. And this is the reason why, because in the playoffs, things get a lot harder for your star players. You need those other guys to show up and, and do the job. And the Oil Kings have certainly got that. I'll ask you about the other teams in the league in a second, but I have to ask about the net mining for the Oil Kings. Uh, Dylan Miskew started things off against Medicine Hat after game three was a, a lackluster performance for the entire team, team, not just for, for him, but Todd Scott comes in, cleans up the rest of the way. In that series, Miskew back in against Calgary wins all four of them, and uh, I mean he's been lights out, shutting the door. It's it's got to be a confidence thing for, although he hates that word, but Brad Lauer knows <laughs> that he can throw either guy in uh, right now, and they're and he's getting success uh, and having good performances from either guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, credit to Dylan Miskew. He's a guy who's bounced back all year. Yeah. Granted, not a lot of times did he struggle. I mean, there was what maybe three or four games that. You know, he, he, he let in some, some bad goals, but it, it, it never compounded um, to uh, a stretch of two or three games. And, and you mentioned it, a lackluster performance in game three of that first round series, but not just by Dylan Miski, like you said. Um, it was the entire team. Unfortunately, the goaltender, he's the most noticeable player oftentimes when things don't go right. He had to wear it. He sat on the bench and he bided his time. And credit to Todd Scott. Um, he came in at speaking of a guy who's biding his time because he was supposed to be Edmonton starting goaltender this year and an injury, uh, took that opportunity away from him. He came in, he did the job, uh, to get the team into the second round. But, um, Dylan Miskew, I, I think he'd earned a, a second chance. And when he got it, uh, he definitely ran with it, stopping 88 shots of the 92 he faced in round two, his first playoff shutout, uh, in game four. And uh, more importantly, because it, it isn't a high volume of shots. 
nor is it really a, a high volume of, of dangerous scoring chances that the, the Calgary Hitmen had, but they never got that second and third opportunity. This was uh, a four-game stretch from Dylan Miskew where I thought it was his cleanest performances of the season. Everything was sticking to him. There, were, there weren't pucks you know, popping off the palm of his glove hand and out into the slot or off his chest. Everything was swallowed up in and around the net. He looks so calm. He looks so poised. And uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings heading into uh, round three, they're going to need their goaltender to continue to do that. All right, Andrew. I know uh, we haven't been able to see a lot of the other games in the uh, in the league because uh, the schedule is kind of every time the Oil Kings are playing, so is everybody else, it seems like. But uh, what do you take? What's your takeaway right now of Saskatoon and Prince Albert? It's the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. And, and uh, I know I heard you earlier today on TSN uh, 1260 here in Edmonton um, that it's not necessarily a big shock to see this series uh, dead even. It, it, it could very well go seven games, couldn't it? Easily, easily. I think both teams, um, the, the, their rinks are so hard to win in right now. Um, Saskatoon, when they fill that barn up, I saw one was at just about 8,000 for uh, game four of that series uh, against the Prince Albert Raiders. Um, and I think we could very well see the home team just hold serve throughout and Saskatoon getting down to a, a game seven in Prince Albert. They'll have to find a way to win at the Art Hauser Center. Uh, they were 0 for 4 there during the, the regular season so far, 0 for 2 uh, during this postseason. But, uh, you know, the the Saskatoon Blades, um, had they gotten off to the start that the, the Prince Albert Raiders had, uh, they would have been in contention for top spot in that East Division, but it took them a little while, took some tinkering with their roster. But, I mean, after Christmas, were they not neck and neck with points with the Prince Albert Raiders? Like, it was yeah. um, losses so few and far between for the Blades that it really set up uh, what is turning out to be a, a real great series between those teams. And maybe the, the surprising part is, I'm, I'm not surprised that it's tied at two. What did surprise me was I thought for it to be tied after four games, Saskatoon was going to have to split the first two. I thought if the Raiders got off to a 2-0 start, uh, they might just be able to run away with the series. So a big credit to Mitch Love and his staff for um, you know sticking with the, the game plan and, and uh, coming out in, in games three and four and getting that, that series leveled. Even in uh, you know game four, they gave up the first goal, a shorthanded goal, and they're able to bounce right back, score four unanswered to win that. So um, you know I, I've been impressed with uh, with Saskatoon for for quite some time now, and yeah, no surprise for me that they're hanging in there with uh, the WHL's top team. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm pretty sure Edmonton's record against PA this year was one win, two losses, and an overtime loss. Yep, that's correct. Well, uh, the, uh, the the three points they got were all in Prince Albert. What was the record against Saskatoon? I don't remember. Uh, they uh, it was two and two. They lost two games in regulation. They won one in regulation, and they lost one in or they won one in overtime in Saskatoon. Okay. Well, bearing in mind, they will the All Kings will start on the road. They will be the underdog in the series. Is there a, a better fit in your mind, or does that really matter? Oh, I, I mean, you can sit there and say, well, you don't want to take on the, the top team in the WHL, the Prince Albert Raiders, but that would mean the team you're playing is a team that just knocked them off. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, pick your poison in that situation. They're both such deep teams. They've both got great goaltenders. Nolan Meyer has really, really found his game, maybe an, another gear uh, to his game here in this postseason. And, of course, we all know how good the Toronto Maple Leaf prospect Ian Scott is, uh, the world junior backup goaltender uh, for the Prince Albert Raiders. So um, I, I don't think there is a, a matchup that you prefer, but I think at the same time the Edmonton Oil Kings are sitting there saying, hey, these guys don't want to play us any more than, than we want to play them because you look at the Edmonton Oil Kings. I, I talked about how good Saskatoon was after after Christmas. The Edmonton Oil Kings, in their last 21 games, they've won 19 of them. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know that anyone's on a stretch run quite as hot as the Edmonton Oil Kings. Some of the games haven't been pretty, but at the end of the day, they've gotten the results. So Edmonton, I, I think they're con- confident. I stumble on that word as Brad Lauer, <laughs> as I mentioned, has, has made us double guess ourselves on, on those, uh, that phrasing. But um, I, I don't see any reason why the Edmonton Oil Kings wouldn't be uh, full of confidence taking on uh, either of those two clubs. Out west, uh, the Vancouver Giants up three nothing on Victoria. That's not a surprise, but two of those games go to overtime. One of them, Vancouver, like the shots were forty to twenty or something. But I, I'm not. I won't be surprised if it's a, a sweep for Vancouver. But I guess you got to give Victoria credit for uh, making it tight uh, along the way. I mean, it's kind of similar to the uh, the Edmonton Calgary series. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know, credit to to Victoria. I mean, they've. They've got, you know, one of their best forwards, Coley McDonald. He's he's basically been suspended for darn darn near the whole series. I think he gets back if it goes to to a game five. But they've got a ton of injuries as well. Uh, Griffin Outhouse has really been um, keeping the the Royals in those games. But like you mentioned, uh, the, the Giants have found a way. They've just been overpowering uh, over the Victoria Royals. And I mean, hey, Vancouver, they were the class of the BC division all season long. Uh, not really a surprise considering what's happened with the roster of the Victoria Royals to see that they're down uh, 3-0. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put up a, a real good fight in Game 4 and, and try and push the, the Giants as long as they can. Now, what has been a surprise is the Everett Silvertips are down 3 nothing. Uh, they lose the first two games at home. They've lost uh, by three goals and the next two games by two goals. Spokane Chiefs are just absolutely rolling right now. Yeah, and... I remember though back at the the beginning of the season. I mean, Spokane was a a team that was you know heavily favored uh, yep. amongst uh, you know sort of preseason pundits. And I talked about Brett, I talked to Brad Curl, uh, the voice of the Hitman, prior to uh, Game Four down at the the Saddle Dome, and and I posed that to him. You know, are you surprised by by how well Spokane has played? He said, No, it's it's been something that you've been waiting for all year. But you know, obviously Jared Anderson Dolan missed some time with injury. But it looks like they're they're really starting to find their groove. They've got an elite offensive talent, Jared Anderson Dolan. Riley Woods is having a tremendous playoffs. I think he's up to ten points now in eight games. Five of them have been goals. Ty Smith, for my money, maybe the the, the best defenseman uh, in the Western Hockey League this year. No one is as smooth as, as Ty Smith on the back end. And then uh, Bailey Birkin, he's a goaltender I, I saw last year uh, quite a bit when he was with the Lloydminster Bobcats in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He could be a difference maker, and he has been. Uh, no Dawson Weatherill for the, the Chiefs as uh, he went down with uh, what appears to be a season in the injury. And, and Bailey Birkin has stepped in and provided real good goaltending uh, for the Spokane Chiefs. But for the Everett Silvertips, I mean, they're, they're down uh, 3-0 in that series. But, uh, again, uh, the regular season they had, I'm not quite ready to count them out. But uh, it's yeah. been a, a long time since the team came back from uh, an 0-3 hole. Great stuff, Andrew. Thanks for this. See you soon. Thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me on. It's Andrew Peart. He's been uh, filling in for Corey Graham this season after Corey had extensive back surgery uh, in the offseason last year. Uh, not back up on his feet and uh, ready to ride the buses yet, so Andrew's been uh, doing it all season, done a great job. Oil Kings uh, waiting patiently to see who they'll play. The poll question once again, who do you think that will be for the Oil Kings in the uh, Eastern Conference Final? The uh, the poll is on Twitter, at TPS underscore geek, and either vote. For Prince Albert or Saskatoon, it'll be one of those two clubs. Game 5 goes tonight in Prince Albert. Up next on the program, we're going to uh, look ahead to the AJHL final. The Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, Championship Series gets going this weekend down in Brooks. Usual suspects, the Brooks Bandits and the Spruce Grove Saints, 
after this season, it'll be 10 years where the AGHL champion is one of those two teams. Five times it's been the Saints, the last, uh, and four times it's been the Brooks Bandits over the last nine years. And it'll be one of those two teams once again. And they, it's it's like they trade off. Two years of Saints, then the next two years it's the Bandits, two years of Saints, two years Bandits, last year's Saints. So if the uh, pattern holds true, then the Saints uh, would be uh, champs again. But the uh, Brooks Bandits, well, they've got some advantages going into this series. And we talk about that in the next segment. Brandon Ewan Cheshire, the uh, voice of the Spruce Grove Saints, is my guest. We'll tee up the AJHL final next here on the Pipeline Show. Pashnuk with a fake shot, and he goes the other way, spinning a couple more spins, two or three of them. Princeton Pashnuk. Pashnuk with a shot. He scores! Far down! Princeton Pashnuk! Are you serious? Hey, it's Princeton Pashnuk from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Saints are heading back to the Alberta Junior Hockey League final for the ninth time in the past 11 seasons, taking on none other than the Brooks Bandits. Games 3 and 4 will be back at the Grant Fear Arena on Monday and Tuesday, April 15th and 16th. Get your tickets at tickets.sprucegrovesaints.ca to come out and support the hometown club. <laughs> 